Amen. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. And let's try to cover a lot of territory in a short time. In the message entitled, I'd rather be a beggar than a rich man. I'd rather be a beggar than a rich man. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being able to be a part of the household of faith. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. And when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. That in this family, which is really a microcosm of our lives, we have things that are very exciting and praiseworthy. And then we've got things that are tough and hard, challenging, things we're waiting on you to do. And we live in the balance of these extremes of rejoicing and suffering. But as we said today, as we sang to you, one thing doesn't change, and that's you. You're unchangeable. You are immutable. You're awesome. You're the rock of ages who does not roll. And we bank on you. We depend on you. We lean on you. We trust in you. We rely on you. We look to you. And yes, we wait on you because we will see your goodness in the land of the living. Strengthen your people. Use this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's been said that money is a tool. Yes, it is. But don't let money make you a fool. Because it can do that, you know. Money is neutral. If I had a dollar bill up here right now, it is neutral. But money has a way of putting us in reverse if we're not careful. Money is amoral. It's neither good nor evil in and of itself. But if we're not careful, money which is amoral can make us immoral. And people will do anything for money. As a matter of fact, Paul said that the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher who ever walked the earth. The Bible says in the Gospel of John that never a man ever spoke like Jesus Christ. And when he spoke, he spoke with authority. And one of his favorite topics to preach on, to speak on, was money. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. But if I keep on going, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven. And sometimes he would combine the topic of money and hell together in order to get the attention of the Pharisees. And that's what we're going to look at today, how Jesus talked about hell, the afterlife, and he talked about money. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus told the audience that had within it a crew of Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day who were steeped in tradition, tradition and uh, self-righteousness, 
who opposed Jesus on every hand, Jesus told them, you cannot serve God and money. And then in Luke 16, 14, the Bible says, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money, they also heard all these things because Luke 16 opens up with Jesus giving a parable about an unjust steward. So he's preaching about money and he is directing the word specifically to the Pharisees. And Luke 16 says that these Pharisees, one of their characteristics was that they were lovers of money. And when they heard Jesus speak these words, the Bible says they derided him. Or in other words, they mocked him. They made fun of him. They put him down. And probably because he stepped on their toes, but also because Jesus was a poor preacher. He didn't have a house. He had nowhere to lay his head. He probably had one change of clothing. And so everyone knew that Jesus was the complete opposite of the Pharisees who would oftentimes flaunt their wealth. But as we'll see today, let us not make the tragic mistake of making money our God the way the Pharisees did. Money is a tool. Use it. But don't let money use you. The Pharisees believed that earthly riches signified God's favor on your life. Sounds like today's prosperity teaches. They felt like if you were wealthy, then that was a sign of God's favor on you. Even though the Old Testament scriptures stated that even the wicked can prosper. So we just don't want to try to say that this is a sign that God's hand is on you when Psalm 73 verse 3 says that the wicked can prosper and in Proverbs 13, 22, it talks about how the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous because sometimes the righteous are not always wealthy. Sometimes the righteous live by faith from week to week, month to month, and check to check. And poverty is relative. I didn't say poverty was one of your relatives, <laughs> like one of mine, but it's relative because poverty in America is different than poverty where we're going next month in Haiti. If you have a change of clothes, you are part of the world's elite. If you bathe this morning in clean water, you are part of the world's elite. If you have a choice of what you're going to eat, and you can eat multiple times today, you are part of the world's elite. And so we don't want to get it twisted to think that if you have money, that alone is the indicator that you have God. And so to counter this, or that if you don't have money, you don't have God. So to counter this false belief, Jesus told the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. I love Jesus. You talk about having practicality in your preaching. He would come up with stuff right there. He would use stories to draw the audience in and then hit them with the punchline. And we know from weeks of studying in this series that a parable is a simple story with a central meaning. It's a simple story that Jesus would tell that was pretty much common for rabbis in the day. They would tell stories. Jesus was not the only rabbi who told parables. But his, when he told parables, my goodness, he had a way of people wanting to throw stones at him. 
We have to keep in mind that this is not a typical parable of Jesus in Luke chapter 16 because it has strong doctrinal elements about the afterlife. Normally, his parables would not have such deep and profound truths about the eternal uh, uh, issues of life. But in this parable, it has strong doctrinal elements about the afterlife. And listen to this, it is the only parable where Jesus mentions someone's name. It's the only parable. So even when we looked a couple of weeks ago at the parable of the prodigal son and the older brother, no names were mentioned of the three primary characters of the father, the younger son, and the older son. But this parable in Luke 16 is the only parable where Jesus gives someone a name. You see, having a relationship with God, whether a person is rich or poor, is what leads to eternal life. But the Pharisees thought that if I possessed wealth, then that meant that I had a relationship with God. But Jesus says, no, we're going to clear this up today. So the central meaning of this simple parable that had deep theological truths, as well as the name of a person called Lazarus, the central meaning is that possessing material wealth does not mean that you're going to possess eternal life. Just because you have material wealth does not mean that you have eternal life. And so, as I mentioned, it's about having a relationship with God, which comes to us by faith, whether we are rich or poor, sick or well, male or female, black or white, Republican or Democrat, we must have a relationship with God by faith through his son, Jesus Christ. And the proof that you have a relationship with God, the proof of it, because you can say a whole lot, but the proof is found in how you love and treat other people, especially destitute people. That's the proof that you really know God, because you can say it all day, but God says, let me see if you can show it today. Can you love other people, especially people who are not like you, people who, who, are a, who are of a different socioeconomic background? And in this parable, Jesus lays it all out because we need to know that our earthly story determines our eternal state. How the earthly story plays out determines our earthly state. So we don't want to miss anything. So as we move quickly through Luke 16, beginning at verse 19, we're going to look at the earthly story. And first and foremost, well, not foremost, but we're going to look at the rich man's delight. So let me read in my brand new progressive lenses that a brother's still trying to get used to up in here. <laughs> All right? I don't want to hear no four-eye jokes or none of that kind of stuff. My brain still hasn't trained itself to these lenses. I can't even see right now, but let's see. Lord, lead me. I need a Braille version of Scripture. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Can't you hear Jesus telling this story? He just had a way with words. So this rich man is another picture or representation of the Pharisee. Jesus loves them enough to tell them the truth. 
even if it may hurt a little. Because he knows it's what they need to hear, even if they don't want to hear it. And even if they resist what they've heard from Jesus, they can never say, nobody ever told me. Jesus told them. So the Bible says that there was this rich man. He was dressed well. My Lord, he was clothed in purple and fine linen. His stuff was tailor-made. The purple speaks of royalty or having wealth. Uh, fine linen speaks of the fact that he just wasn't in your everyday, you know, something from J.C. Penney. This brother was in some fine stuff. Not only was he dressed well, my man lived well. The Bible says he fared sumptuously every day. I had to look up the word sumptuous because that's not a word I use every day. But sumptuously means he lived extravagantly every day. He enjoyed, Strong Tower, the finer things in life. And if you can enjoy the finer things in life, there's nothing wrong with that. But just don't put those things in the place of God. Just don't think that you got that stuff by your own power. No, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, whether it's cotton or whether it's silk. It comes from God. So my man was living well. He was faring sumptu sumptuously. Can't even say it. Every day. Now, I fare sumptuously when I go on vacation. Oh, I try to live it up. I try to live it up. I try to live, but, but not every day. But this bruh man was kicking it every day. Now, later in the passage, it says that he had a gated house. If you live in a gated community, don't worry about it. He had a gated <laughs> house. Brother was doing good. He ate well. He ate well. And, 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 and Lazarus is in a position where he can see this man eating. So it may be that the man ate outside in his yard or on the back patio or under the gazebo. He's eating, and Lazarus can see the crumbs falling from his table. Now later we'll see that Lazarus' legs don't work, but the brother's eyes work, that's for sure. And his stomach worked because his stomach was growling. And then what we see how Jesus, the masterful storyteller, he does not give the rich man a name. He just says that there was a certain rich man, and this was intentional. But this man is often called Dives, based on the Latin word for rich. So you'll hear this story called the parable of Dives and Lazarus. But Jesus, when he tells this, he doesn't give this man, who is used to getting preferential treatment, he doesn't call his name out because too much focus has been on his name anyway. Too much focus has been on the Pharisees, not enough on the poor. So in a moment, Jesus is about to name the name of the underdog. He's about to name the name of the underserved because with Jesus, the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last. And the big thing about this guy, not only did he dress well and live well and eat well, his name wasn't mentioned. He did not help Lazarus despite frequent injunctions in the Old Testament for the rich to help the poor. So they were told to help the poor, to remember the poor, to leave sheaves for the poor, to empower the poor. But every day he fared sumptuously, but every day he also had indifference towards Lazarus who was laid at his gate every day. And the fact that he showed no love, no visible demonstration of love to the poor 
when his God has commanded him to do so proves that he didn't have a relationship with God. Because if you're going to love God, you also need to love your neighbor as yourself. And a lot of people can say they love God, but they don't show it in how they treat their neighbors, especially their poor neighbors. Oh, my. But now let's look at the poor man's dilemma. Verse 20. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So let's talk about this brother's dilemma real quick. Jesus gave dignity to this poor sick man by giving his name, Lazarus, which means God is my help. You see, man may not help me, but I know that God will help me. God even gave me strength to beg out here today. And I need to let you know, if you think begging is for punks or wimps, you have never begged a day in your life. Because it takes a lot to go out and beg every day and to face rejection every day, to go out regardless of the weather conditions every day. It's work to beg. And we won't get into a whole theology and breakdown of whether or not these folks should be working and all this kind of stuff. No, we're just going to talk about, man, if God gives it to you to give to them, give to them without qualifying the poor. So Jesus instilled dignity to Lazarus by naming him. Yes, he was a beggar, which means that he was poor. He was crippled because other people had to carry him. He couldn't walk for himself. He was sick because he had open sores in his body. And he was hungry because he longed for crumbs. Not a slice, but, but crumbs. And so he was hungry. He was ignored every day. As a matter of fact, the dogs were nicer to Lazarus than the rich man was. Because at least the dogs licked his wounds when Lazarus had the ability to do what the good Samaritan did. And that is, I could pour some oil and wine on the wound and help him out. But he chose not to put his love in action. Now, the Bible is going to let us know something here. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. I missed something real important. The Pharisees saw this man Lazarus as being under God's displeasure and God's judgment. That he was suffering for something that either he did or something that his parents did. So when the Pharisees who felt that being wealthy was next to godliness, if you were poor and sick, then that was next to ungodliness. Remember in John chapter 9 with the man born blind, the, the disciples of Jesus even asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents? And what did Jesus say? Neither. This has been done for the glory of God. So God is in control. So every time someone's sick, that doesn't mean they're there because of sin. But that was the theology of the Pharisees. So the religious community berated Lazarus, they condemned him, and they ignored him. But watch this though. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So here we have here, death being the common, excuse me, got a cough, 
death being the common denominator between both men. Death, like God, is no respecter of persons. Okay, how much money you have, you're not going to flee death. If the Lord should tarry for another 100 years, virtually everyone in this room will pass away. And many of our friends that we know, if not all of them, will die. Because death, according to the book of Ecclesiastes, is the destiny of every man, and the living should take this to heart. Both men died, regardless of how much money they had in their bank account. Both men died, regardless of what they ate or did not eat for lunch that day. Both men died, and all of us will die. Death is the common denominator, and it levels the playing field. If you went to a coroner's office today, and there was the body of a rich man laying next to the body of a homeless man, guess what you would have? Two dead men. And that's what happens with death. And so now, let's look at the eternal state. Because the earthly story is going to lead into the eternal state. So the Bible says, we now need to look at the poor man's delight. We saw his dilemma on earth, but now let's look at his delight in glory. I got to read verse 22 one more time. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the, you know, and you die early when you don't have good health care. And, and he was carried by the angels. When you can't get to the doctor and get stuff checked out, that if you got it checked out, you could live a little bit longer. But if he didn't have health care, he didn't have a doctor to go to, this ain't political. This is something we should be concerned about. Everybody having access to health care, whatever you want to call it. Obamacare, Trump care, can we all just get some care? The rich man... And if I got to pay a little so somebody else can get some, then man, whatever. The rich man also died and was buried. They both died. Oh, but look at the brother here, Lazarus. The angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom. Men used to carry him to beg, but now he had Esquire service from angels to be escorted into the presence of the Lord. And he just wasn't taking any old place he was taken to Abraham's bosom. Now, if the Pharisees are listening to this story, Abraham is the man. He is the father of the Jewish people. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons. He's the man. All right, we'll close with that song. And so, but not only that, for us as believers, he's the father of faith. Because Abraham was justified before the sign of circumcision came, proving that a man or a woman is justified with God by grace through faith apart from works. Whether that work be a good work for the Jews, circumcision, or for people in church, baptism. The work is good, but the work does not save. What saves is a changed heart by faith in God, repenting of sin, trusting God's Messiah, the one who was to come in the Old Testament or the one who came, those of us on the other side of the New Testament. Salvation is only in God's Son. And so my man Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom. Abraham, the father of the Jews. Abraham, the father of faith. And in the Talmud, which was the Hebrew commentary where thousands of rabbis would give their comments about the Torah or the law. And these comments were recorded in the Talmud, also known as the Mishnah. 
And in the Talmud, these notes would speak of Abraham's bosom, saying that it was a metaphor for heaven. And so therefore, when Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, he was going to heaven. And by sitting in Abraham's bosom, what that meant was he had the seat of honor. He had the seat of honor. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. It's 12.08, and I, I, I want to let you out of here. I want to let you out of here. My wife is preaching next week. Amen. So I'll come back the week after, and we'll pick this up. So it's Children's Family Day next week, and you got to worry for the children. Is that right? Amen, amen. And Donna Lewis, um, um, my sister, I just want to let you know that this pulpit, you're going to be speaking here this summer, okay? Because, girl, the way you spoke on Good Friday, and I heard about you, too, at this women's retreat. There are gifts that God has given in this body, and we want to use all of them. Oh, thank you. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Amen. Read Luke 16. Dig in there and get some good stuff out for yourself. Don't wait for me to give it to you. You got the Holy Spirit. Let him teach you a few things too. And remember, it's not about having money. It's about having Jesus. Some of us say, I want both. Okay, whatever. But give me Jesus. Because I would rather be a beggar on my way to heaven than a rich man on my way to hell. I'd rather beg for bread on earth than be like the rich man and beg for water in hell. Oh, no, 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 no. So hang on in there. We'll hit it in a couple of weeks. Amen? Homer, home team Smith, my man, would you come on up and close us in prayer? Homer, where you is? Where you is? Homer, where you at? All right. So let's just praise the Lord. Hands up. Who knows that song? Who knows that song? Okay, who wants to come and lead us in that song? Huh? Brother Bob, uh, uh, can I get another one? Okay, Alfreda, come on, y'all know it. Come on, come on. You don't want to do, what? You don't, come on, Matina, come on. We're going we to close with Father Abraham. We're going to pray first, then we're going to do that. Praise the Lord for you. Amen. <laughs> we all close our eyes. Father God, we thank you for this blessed day, Lord. Thank you that we was uh, able to gather around other believers, Father God, and worship you. Watch over us, Father God, as we head home. Watch over our families, Father God. Um, I ask you to forgive us at times that sometimes we slip and act like Pharisees, Father God. Um, throughout this week, Father God, just use us to, to show your light and your love to our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.